welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Chef. My guest today is Mike Zhao. Mike is a certified strength and conditioning specialist currently practicing in New York City. He holds a bachelor's degree in kinesiology from Long Island University, Brooklyn, and is currently pursuing his master's degree in clinical psychology with a concentration in psychotherapy at Teachers College, Columbia University. Mike, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to be here. So our friend Stacy introduced us, and when Stacy said, oh, you've got to meet my friend, he's a kinesiologist, he'd be great on your show, and I thought, what the heck would a kinesiologist be able to offer my listeners? And then you and I chatted, and I was like, well, you have to be on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> for, for anybody else who might be uh, um, scratching their heads right now, tell me a little bit about your background and what inspired you to go into kinesiology. Absolutely. So I was initially... In, as in, in my early life, not whatsoever interested about the body or what it does or anything like that. Um, it didn't become that case until the uh, second half of my career in the military. So I served in Marine Corps from 2007 to 2011. And as one might imagine, that's a, that's a somewhat physical, physically demanding of a profession. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, it allowed me to see that there's this thing called the body, and you can do things with it. <laughs> um, and uh, you also allow me to see that uh, it's not an easy thing to take care of. Um, and, you know, in my unit, you know, we, we weren't like the SEAL teams or special forces or anything like that. So we, um, you know, the person that was taking care of our bodies were, first of all, us, and second of all, our medics, which, mm-hmm. God bless them, they're, they're, they are, you know, they're God sent. But, um, you know, our medics were experts in treating gunshot wounds and explosions and really awful things like that they were not very they were not trained in dealing with quote-unquote mediocre things such as muscle soreness don't know how to use your body low back pain neck pain things like that um their solution was water and motion or something like that uh and and that you know, I think I think that that was something that I kept in the back of my head. And um, you know, after a, a short trip to Afghanistan uh, and then coming out of the military, um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with my life. Uh, is a very common thing with veterans getting, getting out of service. Um, but but I, I wanted to continue serving. I, I wanted to continue making myself a contributing member of society, and uh, I, I started my journey into that um, at a massage therapy uh, school, actually. And um, you know, the body learning about it fa- absolutely fascinated me. Not just in terms of like how muscles work, how bones work and things like that. I mean, that's really cool, but how the brain goes about controlling all these things. Um, it really mirrored um, a lot of the sort of mysteries I, I, I wondered about uh, in my time as a Marine. And so, so uh, I, as you, as you saw in my, in my bio, I am not a massage therapist. So I, at some point, transferred out of the program, mostly because after, um, after my second semester, I saw that uh, there was a lot of assessments, uh, I mean, methods of assessing you know, what, what goes on in, in, in a person's body and when they're in pain or discomfort or dysfunction. A lot of that came from physical therapy. And so I got into a kinesiology slash physical therapy program. And, 
Well, you might also have noticed that I'm not a physical therapist. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've come to realize that over the years, I'm very discerning about what I want in life. <laughs> um, I, I think having multiple... That's good, brush- though. <laughs> right. I, I, I see that that's a good thing after the fact. But... Um, but anyways, yeah, I didn't really like the way physical therapy viewed the body, which, you know, you're just a list of symptoms. You're just a list of symptoms. They're not mm. very, very concerned about how these things came to be, uh, but just a list of symptoms. And they're going to attack these symptoms, and, and they don't really give a crap how it came about. It really didn't, uh, it, it didn't light any fire on, in, in my heart, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stuck with kinesiology because they were much more concerned about how things, you know, the origin of things, uh, the epistemology of things. Um, however, to, and, and uh, kinesiology, to answer your first question, what is kinesiology? Is simply the study of the science of how humans create movement. Right, so uh, one can think of um, uh, physical therapy as applied kinesiology, meaning the relationship between kinesiology and physical therapy is the same relationship between physics and engineering. Okay. Right, same thing as chiropractor, uh, chiropractic medicine, same thing as personal training, strength and conditioning, sports training, so on, so on, so on. It's all different aspects of how does the brain produce movement. Okay. So how does kinesiology differ from physical therapy or seeing a chiropractor? Right. Um, So chiropractic adjustment in its formal sense, uh, meaning the way it's classically taught and for much of its history, um, is the manual adjustment of the alignment of primarily your spine, but your other joints in your body as well. In other words, this is something that a clinician does to a patient. The patient is a passive, um, quote-unquote, observant, uh, observer in this endeavor. He, the patient is not a participant. In terms of physical therapy, uh, for in the very same vein, the way much of physical therapy is taught in school is that um, they view dysfunctions as symptoms. And they, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is a diagnostic process involved. But um, in, in, my, in my opinion nowadays, they look at um, surface level causes rather than the root causes of things. And I, I guess I'll go into it in, in, in a second here. Um, so n- nevertheless, it's not a holistic, holistic view of things. You're not being viewed as an organism. You're not being viewed as a thinking, feeling, acting organism. You're being looked at as, I don't know, a car or something like that, but like a car with four limbs and a head and then in the center or something like that. Um, whereas uh, the more general uh, way that, that kinesiology exists because it's a, um, is a larger part of the totem, is a larger part of the totem, um, it can interact w- with other fields much more easily. It, it involves the brain a whole lot more. It allows us to see um, what is the brain doing, right? What is the brain doing uh, that that produces these these normal functions and these not so normal functions. That being said, um, and I, this this goes into sort of my take on the whole thing a little bit. In that, um, most kinesiology programs or most of these like allied health um, 
bodily rehabilitation or, or training programs, they don't teach neuroscience very much, um, like for the most part at all. Uh, therefore, the the um, the furthest you can go in terms of your investigation uh, for a particular bodily problem is just the body. And, mm-hmm. you know, the body doesn't control itself. That's not how that works. Uh, it's the brain that controls everything. So, you, you know, it, it's like if a detective was to investigate a murder, they will never get to a point of, like, actually identifying a the suspect. They will just go, oh, where was this m- murder uh, taking place? Brooklyn. That's as far as you can get. Okay. Not you know, not even a street number or anything like that. Just Brooklyn. Where in Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least that's the way uh, I, I see much of it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I not here to. I'm not here to shit on anybody's profession or anything like that. Because there are absolutely outliers in these professions that go the extra step further. Of okay, well, what is happening in the brain? And and the other thing is, there is a movement in the in these fields that are moving closer and closer to a more holistic view of things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as some of, of your uh, your viewers will, will definitely know that um, academia moves at a glacial pace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I don't think I can wait a whole lifetime for them to be up to date uh, with, with all these different silos preventing them to, themselves to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, but yeah, so so uh, um, that's uh, from a from a broad stroke point of view, the the way these different perspectives are different from from each other. Um, to but but to sort of go a little, little bit further into into uh, my relationship with kinesiology and, and its application. Um, towards the end of my degree, I quickly realized what I was learning was not helping people because when I apply it to my clinical cases. Uh, people weren't getting better, even though I was doing everything by the book, and my my uh, fellow f- fellow classmates were doing the same thing. Uh, in that we were not getting uh, we were not getting the results that we were quote unquote promised by by these clinical theories. Uh, so I scrambled, I freaked out, and then scrambled to find and look for as 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 many different kinds of professional development as possible. Essentially, looking for answers. Why is this not working, and what? what kind of solutions are out there? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got very, very, very fortunate and came, up, came upon this institution called the Postural Restoration Institute. Uh, and they are a research and development institute plus a clinic that integrates biomechanics, in other words, how physics works in the human body. They integrate biomechanics and neuroscience in, into a uh, clinical model that addresses a lot of of problems that have been, uh, dare I say, ignored by a lot of allied health fields. Um, and, and that completely opened my eyes as to, as to how the brain actually like, really controls the body rather than just these are the wires, i.e. nerves, they do X, Y, and Z to muscles, the end. Um, right. But yeah. so, is, if, so if kinesiology looks at the body as a whole, um, how can things like anxiety and depression manifest physically in the body? Um, and all the sensors, well, actually, 98% of the sensors that tells the brain this, the, the, the answer to this question lives through uh, connective tissue. They are literally in there. What does that have to do with anxiety and depression, right? Cortisol. 
So cortisol has a very um, interesting effect on connective tissue. So on every connective tissue cell, there are receptors for cortisol. And whenever cortisol enters these receptors or interacts with these receptors, what happens is these um, connective tissue cells become stiff and inelastic. Now, these connective tissue cells, their main job in life, one of their main jobs in life is the absorption and rebounding of kinetic energy. Essentially, they work like rubber bands, but biological rubber bands. Mm-hmm. And very much like a uh, trampoline, you can think of a trampoline, when you jump on it, the trampoline first absorbs your weight and then bounces you up, back up in some to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And the stronger or the, the more elastic the rubber band is, the more you're going to bounce back up perfectly. Right, uh, meaning if you from the resting surface, you know, ever think of a flat rubber band that's not disturbed by anything. Um, if you when you jump onto the rubber band, uh, um, trampoline, uh, if you drop by I don't know three feet, a perfect rubber band of perfect trampoline will bounce you back up three feet above mm-hmm. its resting surface. If if I'm making sense, mm-hmm. um, and our connective tissues in our body works precisely the same way, at least me- mechanistically, it works precisely the same way. So when cortisol um, interacts with these, they become inelastic. They stop behaving like a trampoline, and they start behaving more like metal or anything else hard, for that matter. Mm. Um, and that creates two. Well, that creates two problems. I'm going to talk about. <laughs> it creates many problems. <laughs> it creates two problems. I'm going to talk about. First of all, um, your connective tissue can no longer act like a rubber band. In other words, they can no longer absorb kinetic energy. And um, kinetic energy is, is just the academic term for vibrations. Any kind of vibrations. When you walk, when you sit, when you do anything, there's vibrations. Um, and th- it's the connective tissue's main job to deal with them, to absorb them, and to repurpose them into something that our bodies want to do. Um, w- once they are out of the picture, they become a lot more like a bridge. In other words, if you put your foot on the ground, if you, if, you know, when you're walking, you, the moment you put your foot into the ground, about three to five times your body weight is going to go through your body. And hmm. It doesn't feel that way because your your connective tissues, um, in conjunction with the um, mild effort of your uh, bones and your muscles, they absorb that and then they repurpose it for the next step you're going to take. But if your connective tissues are stiff because of cortisol, first of all, um, all these connective tissue, uh, oh, sorry, all these uh, kinetic energies will have nowhere to go, and your muscles are going to have to contract constantly to mitigate these vibrations. And muscles are not made for that. They're made to produce motion. They're not very good at, at this chronic, constant work. Your muscles go through work-rest cycles. Muscles behave a lot more like people in that the more you do work, the more you need rest. Um, connected tissue does not behave like people, right? Now, uh, anxiety, uh, we'll, we'll cut our teeth into this, 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 this part of mm-hmm. discussion with anxiety. Uh, anxiety um, produces a whole hell of a lot of cortisol, a whole hell of a lot of cortisol. So the most high traffic, high uh, 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 kinetic load part of the body is going to become the most stiff, 
right? Um, because, or rather, you're going to experience the biggest change in plasticity and, and uh, pliability and stiffness in those parts of the body, namely lower back and neck, right? Those are the parts of the body that does, you know, essentially most of the movement. I'm not saying other parts don't move, but, um, you know, those two parts you can think of as, as Grand Central Station. Everything mm-hmm. goes through those neighborhoods. In other okay. words, they have the highest demand for elasticity. So when that, you know, when when even a tiny little bit of change is induced negatively in that region, meaning tiny little bit of increase in stiffness, you're really going to feel it, right? Mm. So that's one of the problems that uh, anxiety or, or cortisol induces onto the physical body. The second one is that um, these sensors that constantly respond to the brain sonar signals, um, they do so by changing length, right? So for, for my fellow nerds out there, uh, you, you feel free to Google Golgi tendon organs or muscle spindles. These are some of the biggest and most important sensors, not the only ones, but to the, to the main stars that tells the brain what is happening in the body. And their mechanism of action, meaning how they work, is whenever your tissues um, go through change of length, as a rubber band would do, mm-hmm. um, they pull on the sensors. And when the sensors get pulled on, that induces a, a sending of a signal back up to the brain. Which means if cortisol makes these tissues not behave like rubber bands but behave like a solid object, well, you stop changing length. When you Mm. stop changing length, your brain, well, is left in the dark. Of course, a 7 million-year-old design (laughs) is not going to be faltered by something silly like that. So the backup system for the brain to figure out what the body is doing is what's called neurogenic pain. In other words, it is pain that your brain can induce onto your body wherever the hell it needs. Uh, Because at that point, the objective is to figure out where are we at in space in in relationship to our environment and where are different parts of me located with respect to every other part of me, right? Very important mm-hmm. things, right? Very, very important things. Um, so when these things happen, meaning when I say these things, when your connective tissue are stiffened by cortisol, um, a thing called substance P, I don't know, I didn't name them, I don't know why it's called substance P, but substance P, <laughs> when it is produced by various parts of the body, it produces pain. And this is pain without damage, Right. This is pain. It's not like cutting yourself. It's not like bumping your toes onto onto your couch or something awful like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that you feel pain because of damage. This you're feeling pain because your your brain trying to figure out where the hell are you at. And well, at that point, it's not trying to figure out why you stiff, but it's trying to figure out where you at. So we're gonna make you hurt so that I know where things are at. Mm-hmm. So how does one treat something like this? Right, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's that's one of the things that that brought me to my current station in life. In that, um, in that, very early on, I, I I started realizing that most people who have uh, chronic issues in their bodies um, cannot escape this this sort of cursed existence of 
um, having that severely or profoundly affect their mental health status as well, and vice versa. The, these two mm-hmm. things are rarely separate, despite how much our medical system wish it was separate. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so uh, at least for me, when I deal with this, and and, and you know, uh, until I get my license as a, men, a mental health professional, I work with a psychotherapist that we we tag team on on issues that that uh, crosses both realms. And, okay. and first of all, we have to figure out what's causing what. Is the mental health issue triggering um, the bodily dysfunctions, or is it the other way around? Um, because even though when the, these problems are full on raging, um, it's hard to tell which is causing which because they're caught in a cycle. But if we re- rewind time far enough, something starts first and then causes the other thing. And despite, despite how much one can affect the other, I'll say more about that in a second. Despite how much one can affect the other, we need to resolve the root cause of the whole thing because your unconscious mind, or rather the majority of your brain, um, is very clear on what happened. And all these dysfunctions, be it anxiety, be it depression, be it back pain, whatever, or or be it not being able to do a certain thing Mm -hmm. in your body, um, they are all incomplete solutions that the brain is leveraging at a certain problem. Great. So... Uh, wrapping up a little, what advice would you have to an artist that is struggling with their mental health as a result of physical pain? Um, don't settle for professionals until they make you feel heard and understood. Um, things like somatic, uh, psychosomatic issues are not easy to understand. They're not impossible to understand, but they're not easy to understand from the eyes of most medical professionals, which means they're going to be feeding you some bullshit, right? They're going to be (laughs) feeding you some stuff that sounds very academic, very robotic, and very difficult to relate to in that it doesn't sound like they're talking about you, even though you know they're trying to talk about you, like meaning your problems and things like that, but it won't sound that way. Mm-hmm. Don't stop your search until this person makes you feel like, oh my God, he, un- he or she understands what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. There's a really good chance they actually do. Right? And last little reminder is, this is about you. It is your healing journey. You're going to be the one doing the work. Therefore, if they are not ready to take on a support role, they don't belong on your journey. And don't mm-hmm. settle until things feel right to you. Because the other thing is, once you do find this person, it is a journey you're going to be heading, right? You're going to have to do the work. Like most of these, these uh, complex pain issues, they are not things that are susceptible to most treatment. I say treatment that way in that it, it, it will not, likely be resolved by something that someone else does to your body. It will most likely be resolved by a learning process, readjustment, reorganization process that you're going to have to go through with their guidance, education, and help. In other words, the person needs to be fit for you. Perfect. Oh, such, such true words. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so it sounds to me like you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that artists need to educate themselves, um, that we need to take care of our bodies in the first place. Yes. You know, routine maintenance and oil changes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and then second, we need to be our own advocates and know that and not settle. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your wisdom and expertise. It is so appreciated. Thank you so much. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Mike Zhao. For more information, please check out our website, anxietyandtheartist.com and join our community on Instagram. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Groster Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Sound editing and engineering is by Bosco Chef. Our marketing guru is Ben Nissen. Our theme song is composed and performed by Bosco Chef. 